Welcome to Real Truth Real Quick. My name is Adam Tarno, joined as always by Todd Wagner. Hello, Adam. Hello, friends. All right, Todd, question today is this, is what are altar calls and are they biblical? Wow, great question because we get asked that sometimes. We are at a church called Watermark. It's where we hang out. I know that lots of our friends in Real Truth Real Quick are, are always curious to hear kind of where we're at. We're in Dallas, Texas at Watermark. And we've had people ask us, why don't you guys do altar calls? I love everything about your church, but you don't do that very often. And... Um, I will tell you, the reason we don't do it very often is not because they're unbiblical, but they're also not a required biblical act. In fact, I would tell you that the roots of the altar call, which that term didn't even probably exist until 100, 150 years ago, yeah. um, are, are not in the scriptures. They're in what is called revivalism, okay? What is revivalism? Well, um, a couple of guys made revivalism, which revivalism came out of true biblical revival, right? And um, I would even say modern-day church evangelism techniques came out of revivalism more than even biblical revival. So what do I mean? Charles Finney is probably the most famous among these. Finney was a guy that um, would go around, and in fact, he would say, hey, if you're planning a revival in your area, don't do it until you see our color posters. Right? Like, hey, I, I got some amazing gimmicks and some great marketing strategies. Yeah. And not only that, but the way that I go about preaching and teaching is going to evoke a response. And so this was one of Finney's famous little phrases. He says, revival's arranged, results guaranteed, terms moderate. In other words, it's amazing. I'm not that expensive. <laughs> uh, have me come and I guarantee you, you'll be able to tell the people that gave money to put on this revival that you got results because Finney would use tactics, many of them emotionally manipulative. Uh, he had something called an anxious bench that he would put up front and he would tell you at any time during his messaging and preaching and singing that if you felt like something was stirring in you, you could come to this anxious bench and then somebody would meet them there and pray with them and talk with them and almost personalize it to them until they crossed over wow. and made a decision. And their whole goal was to get you in that moment to make a decision. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that's a really great way um, to measure the success of your preaching. The way you should measure the success of your preaching is not what's the immediate emotional response of people. Uh, we, we even see Jesus in uh, Matthew 13 when he's talking about different parables. He, he says that there are some seed, if you will, that'll pop up quickly, but it doesn't have deep roots and it's gonna get burnt out. It's not gonna produce fruit. Others are gonna get uh, be proven to not be the, the seed that he intends because it's gonna get choked out by the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the concern for many things. One of the things I like to do when people say to me, man, you gotta have an altar call. I, I, would, I would say, well, first of all, let me just say this. Jesus did call disciples to follow him, right? So in, um, in, in Matthew chapter four, verse 18, it says Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he saw Andrew and Peter that were there, fishermen, and he called out to them, follow me. And like, I'm gonna call you to make a decision. And so they did, they followed him in, in, uh, in Matthew uh, chapter four. But then in Matthew 16, all right, 12 chapters later and months later, okay, Jesus says to his disciples who have already responded to the altar call of following. Right. He says to them, um, who do the people say I am? Like, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah. Some say other prophets. And then he says, no, 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 who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter, this one that has already responded to the altar call, um, said, hey, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're, you're very God of very God. And Jesus in verse 17 says to him, blessed are you, Simon, 
okay, son of Jonah, um, because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father is in heaven. Most people believe that was Peter's, if you will, conversion. Yeah. Okay? Um, and not the original call to come follow. In fact, the word disciple means learner. It doesn't mean convert. And, and Jesus doesn't call us to convert people. I always tell folks, if I can convince you of something, somebody else can convince you differently. Mm. Okay? Um, I don't want you to do something because I was persuasive in speech, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, yeah. or um, that, that my words were impressive in any way. I want you to come because the Spirit of God has pricked your heart, and I've been faithful. Good preaching is faithful to the text yeah. and tells people uh, the truth about who they are and who Jesus is and the necessity to respond to him. Now, that might put them on an anxious bench. It might lead them to come up to your altar. But if you say, I can promise you I can emotionally manipulate people to close the deal, you're right. You might close the deal, but it may not be God's deal. Hmm. In fact, I think there's a story. I'm not really sure the pastor. I want to say it was Henry Ironside, but I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. That some guy walked up to him one day who had been to one of his revivals, had uh, the classic brown paper bag, and was kind of, you know, he was, hey, pastor, he said, I'm one of your converts, right? And the guy looked at him and said, well, you may well be one of my converts, but you're not one of God's. Hmm. And that doesn't mean that sometimes believers don't make terrible mistakes, right? That's called backloading the gospel if you say that you're not saved unless everything is always and forever up and to the right, yeah. okay? Um, but when the practice of your life is still the things that are consistent with what's called the deeds of the flesh, you know, that are listed in Galatians chapter 5, immoralities, impurities, drunkenness, and things like that, if that's what your continual practice is with no sense of conviction, that you don't bear the fruit of the spirit in your life of love and joy and peace and patience, then then it should cause you to some concern. And 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 your comfort should not come in the fact that you walked to an altar. Yes. Real quickly, I'll say this. Peter, the very first message he ever gave, he did not have an altar call. In Acts chapter 2, he just laid out the gospel message and he got done with it. He said, therefore, I want to say this, let all the house of Israel know that God has made him, Jesus, that I've been talking about, both Lord and Christ, this one that you crucified. And then he just stopped. He didn't say, walk closer to the temple steps here, if you want to believe. He just taught the truth and was surrounded, I'm sure, by prayer. And then the people cried out and said, Pastor, i got a question, right? What must I do to be saved? And he didn't say, come to an altar. You know, he said, believe in the Lord Jesus. As a disciple who's learned about who he is, make a decision to be a believer, right? Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth man confesses, resulting in salvation. It's not your job to convert, it's the Spirit's. It's not your job to convict. John 16, 8 says, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So, I'm not telling you that you're screwing up if you have an altar call. I'm telling you that you might not be saved if you respond to an altar call. And you're probably wrong as a pastoral leader if you say we've got conversions just because people in a moment came forward. What you're called to do is make them disciples who are then identifying with Jesus through baptism. And then you teach them everything that he commanded. So if somebody's watching yeah. and they have responded to an altar yeah. call, what, what question would you give them? What should they be thinking about? Yeah, well, you know, it's so funny. Uh, you can go back to a real truth real quick, yep. right? We did. How can I know if I'm saved? Yeah. And if you say, because I went to an altar call, 
that's a problem. Yeah. And, and if it's because I said these words, that's a problem. So understand what biblical belief is, yeah. all right, and, uh, and be about it. We're not saved because we come to an altar call. We're saved because a deep, heartfelt belief in who Jesus is and his provision for our sin. And the scripture says, when that happens in your heart, something more than a momentary emotional experience and profession will exist with you. That's great, great yeah. answer, Todd. Thank you so much. Yeah. We'll check out the show notes for some other really helpful links. Thank you so much for watching and we'll talk to you again next time.